you can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. you're one that loves spooky season, I guess it's officially here since we're now in October. If you celebrate spooky season, good for you. If you do, you are probably super pumped up about a brand new movie that was released straight to Disney Plus last week. That movie that I'm talking about, the one that you've waited so long to get a second to, Hocus Pocus. I meant to say Ocus Pocus, okay? There's a little running inside joke between Nora and I. We have this little sign that sits on top of our coffee bar. Actually, bottom shelf of our coffee bar. And it used to say Hocus Pocus, but for some reason, the H in Hocus fell off. I just think old age with that sign. We might need to just go ahead and hot glue gun that bastard back on. Because if we don't, I don't think he'll ever go back on. So if you watched Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney+, Plus, what were your thoughts of it? Judging by a lot of reactions online, people did not like it. I don't understand the expectations that people go into movies when there is now a sequel coming, in this case, 30 years later. Almost 30 years later. It's crazy. You know you can't have that story that you once wanted from a sequel. But I thought for the direction that Hocus Pocus needed to go, I thought Disney did a great job. Now, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of spoilers on Hocus Pocus 2 because it just came out last week and I don't want to be that person that spoils it for you. Even though I feel like spoilers, there should not be like if you have if you have in your mind that you want to watch something, whether it be a movie, TV show, whatever, your top priority should be watching that show so that way you don't find spoilers. Or you just avoid all social media until you watch whatever it is that everyone is going to be talking about, because that's a you problem. There needs to be a space where everybody can talk about it, and that's social media. But I'll give it I'll give it a full week before I actually get into my real deep thoughts on that movie. And honestly, I probably won't touch it until there's uh, another Hocus Pocus movie. 
Um, but if you did watch it, I thought that they did a really good job of going back in the day. That's one thing that was never really brought in the first movie was kind of talking about the sisters at their early point of life. How did they get there? Yeah, they, you know, showed them being hung and stuff like that. There was a spell that was casted beforehand, but there was not much of a lead-in to that point of the three sisters, the Sanderson sisters. So I thought Disney did a really good job of going even further back before Hocus Pocus, the original one, and kind of detailing how they got to that point, how the sisters even got their spells. I thought they did a really good job with that. I thought they did another good job with going into a whole new direction with the movie. I didn't really feel like this was a sequel. I think the really only comparison Things that you can draw lines to are the Sanderson sisters in this movie. Yeah, the basic fundamentals are there for a Hocus Pocus. But I think from the original one, they wanted to kind of get away from that story and shift into telling a new story, which I'm happy they did. Because I think if you brought back a lot of the old characters and you try to do something with maybe Max and Allison, it's their kids, they're the the kids that actually lit the black flame candle, I think you could have gotten to a lot of bad storytelling because you would have had to force a lot of things there in order for it to work. But Disney, when they took this new direction, they thought of everything. I'm glad they brought the 21st century into Hocus Pocus 2. There will be some things that you'll laugh and be like, ha, new technology, they brought it in. Good job, Disney, by being able to find something to bring, like, bring it all back. Bring it into the 21st century. Now, there are some other parts through the movie that you will see flashbacks to the original Hocus Pocus. Some Easter eggs, as people like to say. I don't like saying that. They're just flashbacks, kind of. That's all they really were. They weren't Easter eggs. They were just flashbacks. And everybody loves the term Easter eggs these days. But in order to make this like a new franchise, I felt like they had to go into this different world, finding a new way to tell it. And once you watch this movie, once you see the storyline play out, you'll realize that there's a lot of great, awesome directions that they can go with if they decide to keep building on to what I'm calling a new franchise within Hocus Pocus. It still had that nostalgic feel of being Hocus Pocus because the Sanderson sisters were there. Sanderson sisters were there. But you do know that um, the Sanderson sisters are getting a little old. And I'm not talking about like in the movie. Yeah, that's one thing. But in real life, they're getting a little bit older. You're not knowing how long you're going to be able to keep those three around. I think there's a 10 age. I think Nora and I found out there's a 10 age year gap between the each of them. I think it goes 75, 65, and 55. That's the way it works. So the way that they went leads to 
a lot of awesome stories that will be able to, a lot of awesome stories that are going to be able to be told. Because there's something else brewing. You like how I did that, like a little witches thing there? Because they they went into a new world, I would say. Because I didn't know how they were going to reestablish bringing the Sanderson sisters back. Because if you remember, back in the original Hocus Pocus, they were talking about how they couldn't be brought back. Like they had that one instance to be able to go back into life or else, boom, poof, they're gone. But I think they did a good job of saying how the sisters were coming back to life. And it's a neat, cute movie. Go ahead, give it a watch if you're a fan of the first one. But also have the mindset that you're going to watch a movie that is meant for children. As a millennial, I feel like our generation right now, we're getting a lot of these cool, I wouldn't say reboots, Some are reboots, some are sequels, some are, you know, just bringing the franchise back. You have to realize they're bringing these things back to connect with this demographic, this younger demographic that's watching the movie. How old we were when we first saw these movies, that's still the demographic that they're shooting for. Cute, cheesy, something that everyone in the family is going to love. And Disney delivered Exactly on that thing. And if you really want to see an Easter egg that is dropped in that movie, make sure you watch until the very end. I didn't watch until the very end. I'm talking about until the end credits because I saw the movie was over. And this goes to me and Nora having these conversations. Once the book's done, I'm gone, right? I'm done reading. I'm not reading whatever, the epilogue or prologue, whichever one it is. Just like there's some people, whenever the credits hit, they're out of the theaters. Me, whenever the credits hit, I'm out of the theaters. I don't need to see and stick around for the ending credits to see if they sneak a little something in there. If you wanted it in there, fucking throw it in there. But Disney did put something at the end of the credits. There's a little Easter egg in there for you, and you get to decipher I think a lot of people that have seen the end credits go, okay, there is going to be a sequel. But I I do want to point out one thing. Do you remember how bad a movie would have been when we were kids if it were sent straight to VHS or DVD? Do you remember how bad those movies were? I feel like Disney Plus is doing a really good job of making these straight to home, straight to streaming service movies, feel like they were big budget. I do need to give Disney a round of applause on that one because they made this still feel like it was supposed to be something special. And it was. It delivered. And I can't wait to go to work and talk to all my coworkers about this because this was a big conversation last week in the office. And I was only in the office for one day, I think. Yeah, Tuesday and part of Wednesday because I started not to feel the greatest on Wednesday. My boss was like, okay, you need to go home. If you're not feeling better tomorrow, still work from home. But I really didn't have to worry about staying at home on Friday because I get to work from home on Friday. My company allows us to work from home 
two days a week. We get to work from home on Mondays, and we get to work from home on Friday. So, like I said, I'm not going to be able to talk to my coworkers about this until Tuesday, even though I could just hit them on a, a group chat and say, hey, what did you think of it? I, I, I like to do some of those conversations in person. And I feel like something that's new, a new movie, that's better to have better to have those conversations in person. But this two-day-a-week work-from-home schedule is fantastic. I think it's the right balance of being in the office and being at home. And especially the way that my company has it, being so flexible, you could take a long weekend if you really wanted to. But you just have to know that you have to work on Friday from whatever location you're going to be working at. And then you could work from that location again on Monday and then drive home after work. Now, it would be a long day, and you might have to, uh, you might actually have to take a half day at work, or you'd have to pay a little bit extra to stay inside your Airbnb or your hotel so that way you could work that whole day. But it gives you a nice opportunity to be able to take advantage of long weekends. And I needed that. I didn't think that I would need that, but it fits great with having family that doesn't live in town. My family lives in the suburbs of Chicago, so it's not that far. But sometimes when you're planning out weekends, you're like, oh, it's only going to be a couple of days. I'd really need to find holidays to go home and use that to kind of bookend things. With this schedule, it's going to allow Nora and I to visit family and give us more time to visit family because I have the opportunity to work from home on a Friday. I could drive up on a Thursday, crash at their house on Friday and work, and then as soon as I'm done with work, I can hang out with my family, and they're in the central time zone, so that makes it a hell of a lot easier. So I'll be working my work schedule only until 4, so 7.30 to 4. So it's 8.30 to 5 in the eastern time zone. It's, it's the perfect scenario. And hell, the last couple of weekends, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've worked Thursday, Friday, Monday at home. Just the way that things have fell in the office, and it's been awesome. I really love this opportunity to be at home during the day. You get to roll out of bed at the last possible second that you want. Me, I still like to wake up pretty early, like an hour before I have to be up. Because I'm slow moving, I like to have a cup of coffee or two before I start work, eat breakfast, take my morning dump. Like, I like to do all those things, even when I'm working from home, before I log into my VPN and start working. But it's just so nice that if I did stay up late the night before watching a sporting event, watching some WWE, I could sleep to the last possible second. Like, WWE is coming to Louisville in November. I'm probably going to go to Monday Night Raw. I might ask my boss, hey, do you mind if I work the first part of the day at home and then come into the office so that way I could sleep in to the last possible second because Raw goes off the air at 11 o'clock. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty damn late. But the other great advantages of working from home besides being able to sleep in at the last second is getting off 
exactly when that clock strikes five o'clock and you're already home. You don't have to work. You don't have to worry about a work commute home. You're already home. You could start dinner right at five o'clock. If you wanted to go to the gym, boom, right to the gym. If you just wanted to do a little exercise around the neighborhood, you could do that and not have to worry about tra- like getting home and then changing and then doing all these things. You're already in comfortable clothes when you're working from home. So you don't really need to change. You could change maybe the last hour of the workday if you had a couple of meetings that you needed to dress nice for for camera. But other than that, I mean, it's fantastic. But being able to throw in a load of laundry, being able to empty the dishwasher, throw in the rest of the dishes into the dishwasher, being able to start dinners that kind of take a while during the workday, is awesome. Now, you might be saying, if you're someone that's super old school, well, you're not working. You're doing all those things inside your house, and you're not working. You're taking advantage of the system. No, it's not me taking advantage of the system. You know, when you're in the office, there's that water cooler talk. I was just telling you, when I get into the office on Tuesday, I'm going to have to talk about Hocus Pocus 2 with my coworkers. And that's going to be 15 to 20 minutes having that conversation with them. When I'm at home, I don't have those 15, 20 minute conversations with someone. So the time that I waste having pointless conversations with people in the workplace are now being put into useful things inside of my own home to make my living situation better and stress-free. That's what it's like being able to work from home. Think about how many times you have that annoying coworker shows up to your desk, tells you everything about their weekend. You're like, dude, I got to get shit done. But you don't want to be mean, so you don't want to cut the conversation short. So you just keep, yeah, yep, yep. And then all of a sudden, like I said, 20 minutes later, you got nothing done. And for some reason, I feel a lot more productive during the workday at home because I'm doing things around the house. I'm doing work. When I'm able to stay stimulated doing all those things, keeps me on a fast pace of being productive for the whole darn day. I love it. I notice a huge difference in how much more I am productive at home and at work when I'm in the office. So I think if I were to ever have any other job besides the one that I have now, there would need to be some sort of hybrid schedule. Like if I could, if a company did want me to be in the office all the day, like every day, it'd be like, hey, I want to be in the office only until X time, and then I'm out. I'm going home. Especially if you live in a big city, think about how much time you would save on commuting. Louisville's not horrible, but it isn't the best with traffic because the interstates, they all connect together, and as soon as there's one slowdown, 
it affects like the whole city. Everyone's using those alternate routes. There's now more traffic, now more people cutting you off. It's not great. So I think that I would always need, going forward, the option to be able to work from home or have a flexible work schedule where I could be like, okay, it's lunchtime. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Because it is a good balance. It is still nice to be able to go into the office and see coworkers. That is nice. It's nice to have that option. But I don't think being in the office five days a week anymore is really necessary. You might hear some people that will say, what about company culture? What about it? Who cares about company culture? If work's getting done, you're still recording record profits. Who cares? Because people aren't close with their coworkers? I mean, there still needs to be a balance of it. You still need to be able to know who you could go and talk to certain things about to get help. But for the most part, I don't really need it. I think the work culture is the most fabricated fabricated thing in the workforce. I don't want to go on a huge rant about that because that could be a full episode by itself, just talking about my beliefs. And trust me, if I got into all of that, I don't think I would ever get hired by a company again. They'd be like, oh, you have all these great philosophies. Why don't you just go work for yourself? I don't have the disposable income to start a business by myself. I need the big corporate person. I need their money. Their money is good. Sometimes, in some cases, it's good. Sometimes, it's like, really? I saw how much money you made last year, big boss man. I saw how much money was brought into the company last year, boss man. You're telling me this is all I get? 3%? Yeah, go pound sand. That's insulting to me. You know what else is insulting? Finding out you just spent your whole life playing Uno completely wrong. Mm -hmm. Twitter is where I found out that I've been playing Uno completely wrong. Somebody was talking to Uno, mentioned Uno, and said, yep, it's true. You can't, you cannot, let me emphasize that again, cannot put a draw to on a draw two. What the hell do you mean I can't put a draw two on a draw two? That's the way that I've always played. Who is Uno to think that they could come in and give us rules to their own game? Everyone plays that way. Now, I've met some people that say you can't play a draw four and a draw four. Okay, that's one thing. But I've always played that you could put draw two on draw two. You could put draw four on draw four. You could put reverse on reverse. You could do all of that, skip on skip. But you can't put a draw two on a draw two? Why? 
I'm going to need a little bit more explaining from Uno on this one. If you're going to stand here and tell me that you can't play draw two on draw two, why? When I could put any other card on top of another card. The best is when everyone in their hand has a draw two and it goes around to the next person and they have to like draw six or eight. That's when it gets really fun. I think of all the house rules that my family has always played and I'm sure you've had your own family house rules as well. There might be the actual rules, but your family has their own. You can play draw two on draw two in my family. You can play draw four on draw four. You also, I don't know if this is an official rule by Uno, but we played, you had to draw until you picked up a card that you could play. So if you had an Uno and all of a sudden you had no move left, you didn't have a card that you could play, you just had to keep picking up and picking up and picking up until you could play. Now you just went from Uno to having five cards in your hand. That changes the game. You are one step away from being the champion of that round. And now, no sir, no ma'am. You end up with like 100 points in hand because you ended up getting a wild, a draw four, got all the high cards in there. It just makes the game a little bit more fun. So if Uno is going to come out here and make these statements, I feel like every single house rule person should draft their own rules and throw them at Uno and say, we think you should adopt these rules. Now, wouldn't that be fun? Listen, this these are the rules that my family has played by for the last 20, 30 years. How about making these amendments? Come on, Uno. Collaborate. We'll collaborate. I know I will. And I'm sure you would, too, to make the game fun and more exciting, and to play by the rules, the actual rules this time, feel like Uno needs to adapt this. Instead of coming out with like Uno Attack, or what's another type of Uno game that there is? I don't know. I always see different versions of Uno. How about we just have the Uno Fanfare Edition? We can think of a better name of that one. I don't know. I'm trying to brainstorm one in in my head. Nothing's popping out. Uno, you decide. Uno, your rules. I don't know. Who makes Uno? Is it Hasbro that makes Uno? I'm going to write to them. I'm going to write to their Twitter. Since they're pretty active on there, I'm going to write to them and be like, hey, listen, I have a business idea. You can make a lot of money on this one. They take all of them, put out a new edition, and everyone is completely happy. But since we were playing Uno, 
since Uno got brought up in this conversation. I think we need to go back to our childhood for today's top three and do the top three game night card games. Are you ready for this? Let's start at number three. At number three is a game that I love, but I'm terrible at. For some reason, Nora always beats me at this one. Skipbo, matter of fact, I hate it because I, I love it, but I hate it because I don't win. We haven't played it in forever, but I do love playing this game. And it finds a spot at number three for the top three game night card games that you can play. At numero two is another game that's very new to me. Nora's family introduced it to me. It's called Five Crowns. If you've never played this game before, I urge you to go to Target, Walmart, whatever game store you like to go to and pick this one up because I do think you will have a lot of fun with it. It's kind of like Rummy. I think that's what the, like their tagline might even mention Rummy in there, but it's a very good game. Introduce that into your next game night and you will have a blast. And coming in at numero uno is Uno. It's a classic. There's no other comparison when you're talking about card games for a game night. And I'm and I mean like actual card games, not ones that, you know, blackjack, three card stud, or Texas Hold'em, nothing like that. I'm talking about the old school family game night card games that you would be playing. But Uno is the one that you start off with. It's very easy and basic to understand. Now, the one thing that's hard to understand about Uno is all the different house rules. So if you ever had a game night at a friend's house when you stayed a night there when you were a kid, you had to learn new rules and you had to abide by their rules. It was tough. Sometimes you wanted to flip the table because their rules were so different and it didn't allow you to win. I'm not speaking from personal experience on this one at all. Wink, wink. But Uno, you remain number one in my heart for the top three card games to play on game night. That was a great list. I don't think I could have done any better. If you haven't played any of those games... I can expect you not to play Five Crowns because I didn't hear about that until I met Nora, but I love that game. It's become one of my favorite games to play on game night. And actually, Nora and I have not had a game night in a very, very long time. We need to do that again. Maybe tonight's the night we play a little game night, throw on a Sunday night football in the background and just play some cards. That would be fun. I would love to do that. Something completely different from what we were just talking about it was a conversation that I was having with my buddy Taylor last week. Actually, it might have been two weeks ago now at this point. But we were talking, and he said that he was having a conversation with someone, and they were subscribing to OnlyFans. There's nothing wrong with subscribing to OnlyFans. I would give you shit, though. If you're subscribing to someone's OnlyFans for porn reasons it, or fetish reasons, you know, it does. it's not just straight porn that's on OnlyFans. Like, there's actual things that are non-pornographic 
that are on OnlyFans, but it became popular for adult film stars to go there, people to post up pictures in their lingerie, feet pictures, different things like that. I don't think, actually I know, I would never pay for any of that. You have the internet. Obviously, you have the internet if you know about OnlyFans. But there's free options out there. That's like, I just don't get strip clubs, right? Why would you pay to go to a strip club when you could watch porn on your TV? And when you're getting a dance, you know, you, you might get a good dance and might walk out with a, a half chub or something like that. You had to pay $20, $40, whatever the rate may be for that. And you didn't even get off. Well, if you stay at home and you just hop on to Pornhub, pick a video that you want to see, and you're able to get off for free. So we just kept kicking back the idea. Is it embarrassing to admit that you subscribe to someone's OnlyFans because it's costing you money? Now, some people on OnlyFans aren't charging like $5 a month. Some are $20 a month, $50 a month, depending on who the person is behind it. Say if it is a big time adult film star and they want to make even more money after they've actually been done making movies and now they can have like their own career. They don't have to worry about someone skimming off the top. Yeah, OnlyFans does take a percentage but the porn industry, I believe, probably takes a little bit more off the top just because of everything that they have to invest in. But I, I, I don't think that I could ever to sub- subscribe to something like that. Like, I remember when people started to subscribe to, like, Brazzers or I think Brazzers was, like, the big one when I was in college that people would subscribe to. People would get together with their friends and be like, hey, let's all pitch in. It'll be a monthly subscription. We just have one and everybody can use it. It's like, why are you doing that? You probably found out about Brazzers from watching a movie that was on Pornhub. That free content is still good content. I'm sure it's just as good. I've, Like I said, I've never subscribed to Brazzers. I don't know how extreme they get on there. And maybe you're saying, hey, Luke, no, it, it is worth it. To me, it would never be worth it. I don't know how people get that invested into watching porn. That they're willing to just shell out money and money and money and money after month to see that risque stuff. Choose the free stuff. Just like when you were a child and you were able to get the adult channels in fuzzy, right? You were able to get the fuzzy screens and every once in a while it would kind of be a little unfuzzy and you might see a nipple. Still worked. Was it the greatest? No, but it still worked. 
it would unscramble itself. At least now, when you're online, it's not scrambling on you. You get the real thing. You get to see it. Man, those were the days. Probably Cinemax. I think that was the only big one when I was a kid. There might have been a couple other big ones. I think the Playboy channel was around then. But I didn't know that many people that had it. We definitely didn't have it in my house. Trying to think. There was some, I think there were some big time, like really dirty ones that were there. Some people are really into that stuff and pay a lot of money. You ever seen 40-year-old virgin, that big old box of porn? No, Andy, I do not want your box of porn. Think about how much money was spent on that big old box of porn. I don't think I would have ever seek, uh, like, seeked out porn if it was going to cost me that much money. If I, if I was in the days of buying magazines, buying VHSs and DVDs, I'm so cheap, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm okay. I'm good. Just paint images in my head, I guess. I know it wouldn't be the same, but no thank you. It's just too much money. I'd rather spend that on a cool experience. Way cooler experience. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Luke Kelly Show. Remember to come back on Wednesday. Nora will be here for a smut tale. I haven't, I'm not going to lie to you. I have not read any more of that book that she has me reading, Warning Track. I need to read a couple of more chapters in that to see if I do get some smut in it. And I I do want to get some smut because I want to find a different quote in that book that I think is a little bit more smuttier than the one that Nora gave us for that book. So I'll eventually make it, but most likely Nora will be here to give you a smut tale on a Wednesday. Uh, we'll have some other things to talk about, but thank you for sh- thank you so much for showing up today. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you Wednesday here on the Luke Kelly Show. Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.